0: Hey, Howard Jacobson here. Welcome to today's Plant Yourself podcast. A quick reminder, this podcast is free for everyone and supported by patrons. So if you would like to find out about becoming a patron of the show and helping us out, helping defray the cost, helping to spread the message, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. Thanks so much and enjoy today's episode. Hey, welcome to another daily edition of the Plant Yourself podcast. South African Lockdown, episode day number six. So we've got a treat for you today. This is a regular-length episode. It's an interview. Managed to connect via Skype with Glenn Murphy, who is one of the people that you most want to have in your corner at a time like this. Glenn is a martial artist. He is also a scientist. And he is the developer of StressProof.net, And if there's one thing everyone is experiencing right now, it is stress. And it's a different kind of stress than we normally feel in certain ways. And in some ways, it is an elongated, taffy-like, non-stop experience of stress. And so Glenn and I got on the Skype to talk about how this current threat of the virus is really not within humans' mental capacity to handle. It's a a present danger is a clear danger, but it's also an invisible danger. It's not how our brains are supposed to deal with stress, and so Glenn offers insight, biological underpinnings to help us understand what we're going through and why we're going through it. So that'll help us be a little less, you know, self-judgmental and self-questioning. Uh, helps us understand that our reactions are, in fact, normal, which can have a calming effect all by themselves. He also leads me and you through a wonderful guided visualization exercise that he learned from his teacher, Vladimir Vasiliev, the North American founder of Sistema, which is the martial art that he and I practice, that Glenn is my teacher of. And it's called the Five Senses Meditation, And it helps us to become embodied. So when I asked Glenn for strategies to help us deal, I was thinking about he's going to show us this breath technique and this stretch and that that sort of thing. But he's a much more systems thinker than that, and so he goes into immediately like the four steps of of any sort of um, crisis response, which will be useful, you know, in this situation and in many other situations as well. So let's let's have a listen. Um, As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts, either in comments on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash plantyourself, or email me, hj at plantyourself.com, or on the show notes on the episode at plantyourself.com. And another reminder, um, we're still here in South Africa, day six of the lockdown, and I'm putting out these podcasts daily as a, a service to you and as a way to stay sane for me. And If you'd like to support the show, you can just go to the tip jar at plantyourself.com slash gift. Um, every little bit helps as we are in our <laughs> fourth week now of South African exile. We, today was the day we were supposed to get on a plane to go back home. Um, you can make a one-time uh, contribution or become a monthly patron of the show. Again, that's at plantyourself.com slash gift. Alright, so let's get to it. Here is the conversation on stress in the time of COVID nineteen with Glenn Murphy. Enjoy. Howie. Good to see you, my friend. You too, Glenn. It's amazing that we can we can get such a sharp image from so far away.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny we were just saying that uh, usually you live about 10, 15 miles down the road in Pittsburgh. And right now you're in South Africa and the, uh, the audio and video quality is better than <laughs> when we're in
0: North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I guess that uh, transatlantic trunk line just massages the uh, the pixels perfectly. Something like that, must be. So can you tell like,
1: whereabouts are you again now, just now?
0: Yeah, we're in, that um, what's called Cathkin Park. It's a, um, a resort area near Winterton, South Africa, which is... Near Ladysmith, which is where Ladysmith Black Mombazo comes from. So it's a it's a I've Zulu. Heard of them. Brilliant. Yeah. It's a Zulu area. Um, and we are in lockdown at a, a wedding resort that we mm. <laughs> we were we were booked into and then the announcement came first that, that Americans couldn't leave their resorts, their hotel rooms, that the management had to mm. provide for them, bring them food, and then the whole country went on lockdown. So we're we're here at uh, the Witsend End Mountain Resort. Um basically it's a wedding chapel with uh with little um chalets.
1: Okay, so not the absolute worst place to be on lockdown. No, I
0: would I would say it's probably in the top 1%, you know, if you if you can't afford um David Geffen's 590 million dollar yacht, then uh then <laughs> this is a, this is maybe a close second.
1: Yeah, it's been nice following your, uh, you know, occasional Facebook posts and things with just random zebras just walking up in the back garden and noshing things, and and just all the sights and sounds that you've got around you. So it's a little bit different from uh, North Carolina.
0: Yeah, well, our our, our basic um, drama right now is that there's a there's a troop of about twenty vervet monkeys who are really good at getting into our house. <laughs> Like, they were first uh-huh. they were coming through open doors, then we closed the doors, then they found open windows, even with bars, and then they figured out how to <laughs> turn the handle on the door. So it's like that scene in um, Planet of the oh, Apes. Jurassic that, Park. Where they learn how to use machine <laughs> now guns. Now they can open doors. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was actually, bit, when you first described
1: that, I was more picturing kind of a like a a simian home alone kind of situation where you're putting like paint pots on top of doors and thumbtacks on the ground and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm su- I'm sure if we got a, a, a trap that I would trip it first.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you, definitely. Yeah. They're probably the smarter of the uh, <laughs> smarter primates within the area. So, great. Well, that's a, you know, at least it brings some comedy value to your, um, enforced incarceration. There.
0: <laughs> yeah. So as long, as long as there's another loaf of bread in the store tomorrow, we can, uh, you know, we don't have to mourn the loss of today's loaf.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. And you. So, how is the situation down there? How are people dealing with um, kind of the the measures that the local government have taken? Because it's it's varying so widely across the world. I mean, you've got you know a lot of dictatorial nations. People in like Brazil and Iran and stuff, where people are just kind of covering things up and trying to just press forward and. Um, almost show some sort of denial. I'm not going to kind of get onto that in a minute. And, and in an effort to kind of keep the economy going and just be like, no, no, this will all be fine. Let's get going. And then, like, obviously massive spread. And then you've got others that are cracking right down on things to the extent that people are getting arrested for going for a stroll. I mean, my parents are in southern Spain, and they've been on lockdown for over a month and will be at least until mid-April. Um, but there, uh, literally if they go out of their apartment and go down to the beach, which is right near their house, they can get, um, you know, arrested for going on the beach, you know? So it's a, what's the situation there in South Africa?
0: Yeah. So it is a military lockdown. The, uh, national defense force and the police are, uh, encouraged to arrest lawbreakers. So they've arrested people who have, um, oh, still there. Yeah, I'm still
1: here. Uh, yeah, okay. sorry. We just—I uh, think we're getting a bit scratchy, so i cut the cut the uh, video.
0: I'll do the same. Um, so that you know, so that and, and especially, you know, especially like they're being deployed in townships in areas of of great vulnerability and very high population density, and there's no mm-hmm. love there for the government. So there, I think yesterday there were like a couple hundred arrests of people who were flouting it, including people who like, you know, posted on Facebook they you know, here we are drinking at the Shabin, we're, we're united, <laughs> we're not going to let this, mm. you know. Um, and there's also been reports I saw in today's newspaper that uh, of b- police and military brutality. So but that's, that's really? very, that's, you know, from the news, from TV, and we haven't up here, people are tending to be extra cautious. And, and there's a lot of, posts around here about you know this is the patriotic thing to do to just stick to yourself yeah gotcha
1: yeah it's been um it's it's been very varied here i mean obviously the united states is it's it's a continent right and i'm reminded of that whenever something like this happens but especially so at the moment is that there's not one response across the whole of the states. It's not a united response. I mean, it's partly because there hasn't been a a united response from the federal level, really. You know, it's been kind of back and forth for quite a while. So the the individual towns and cities and states are kind of taking it upon themselves to, uh, to apply measures as and when usually their hospitals fill up. Right. So it's basically a. And once they get to a certain proportion of, all right, we've got only 10 percent of the beds left and this the numbers look like they're still going up exponentially, then they're taking kind of drastic measures ahead of what the government is telling them to do. So we here in uh, Durham, North Carolina, the mayor shut down um, public gatherings and um so my systema group where we meet and we teach and we move and breathe and shove each other around that got um, that got shut down as a result of not being able to gather in um, gyms. So we shut down gyms and yoga studios and massage places, stuff like that. So the physical contact went first. And then for a while we shifted outside and um, met on this kind of elaborate social distancing rules <laughs> you know we met outside and swung sticks around and stayed like eight feet away from each other and just moved together in the outdoors thinking that was going to be okay and then like the parks got shut down and national parks we mm. live right near Eno river state park it's beautiful you know Um, forested area right close to us and now that's even shut down like two days ago so we can't go on our own to the forest to walk around they've they've closed it off you know Uh. so um which seems really sad and it seems a little bit pointless to me i'm not quite sure how long they think an aerosol is going to stay around in the open forest but anyway (laughs) but but there's um you know but the point is there's been a wide range of different measures from states that um acted very early, and North Carolina has acted fairly early. The whole state's in lockdown now. Um to others, like in Mississippi, like quite famously, where they're like, nah, we'll just keep it going. And they've even had crowded religious services last weekend and, you know, people <laughs> swapping virus while they're there. So it's it's not been a very um unified or congruent response across the board. And it's um and it's gonna be interesting to see where that goes. And obviously the states right now is leading the world in numbers and partly because obviously we're a bigger population than a lot of other places but it's um but if you look at the exponentials and sadly not many people understand how exponential numbers work they're still saying uh, more people died of flu last year and i'm like yeah give it 48 hours <laughs> right yeah it's um that's kind of i um, saw i saw a great it's m- starting to catch up with people's denial now so people yeah. went through denial now they're all like oh yeah this is serious and there's somebody i know in hospital and there's you know somebody I know on the ventilator, so it's it's getting to the point where people can't deny it and they're, and they can 't just talk about it being an overreaction they're, they're realizing that we've got to do something, and now the argument's turning to all right how long is this supposed to last and what's prudent um, when you weigh it up against the economy and all of those things
0: yeah I, I saw a great meme It had a picture of a uh, exponential growth chart, and the 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 legend was number of people who have been exposed to an exponential growth chart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah true yeah. yeah but it's i mean it's an interesting comeback for the nerds you know a lot of the time we scientists are uh, just kind of like sidelined or ridiculed or like oh they don't know everything but uh, like in these times everybody wants to turn to some sort of impartial measure of, of what's happening and um and us nerds come into our own at this point
0: yeah it's been interesting to see the uh the backlash against even i think you know fairly well reasoned perspectives that are not the party line um you know so it's it's like let's like let's circle the wagons um you know almost to like the the you know the 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 orthodoxy like we can't we can't even talk about like oh well maybe maybe the the rates are much lower than we think because so many people haven't been tested and could be asymptomatically positive and um you know some some as when you shut down the fake news inevitably you shut Mm. down some interesting outlier perspectives that may have some value as well
1: sure yeah that's an interesting point yeah definitely But at the end of the day we're all just trying to kind of sift through this and find some sort of focal point right from which we can hang the rest of our lives and 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 move on and in, in whatever that form that looks like at the moment and people are finding that difficult when the um the, the new sources aren't congruent it's i think yes. it's, it's tough yeah. yeah so so coming to like ways of dealing with it obviously <coughs> we, you and I both deal a lot in um helping people with um general health um but also with stress in particular and and how we can use the the methods and the techniques that we've developed in order to get people through things and i was i've been obviously thinking a lot about this and we've been we've scrambled to put all of our um you know our regular training sessions online to try and first and foremost, really maintain some sort of sense of structure in people's days. Because when you're forced into something like this, when when there's just looming uncertainty, and it's not really clear when that's going to end, right? And nobody's nobody can say, "Oh, this is definitely going to be done by April," much as our esteemed leader keeps like putting random dates on things. Um nobody knows, not even the scientists know because nobody has successfully come out of this yet, right? Everybody's looking at China and South Korea and people that were early into the fray for some sort of clue as to how long it might take as what happens after it peaks and troughs and is it going to bounce back and all those things. But nobody really knows. It's uh, it's fair to say that we we just don't know yet. Um and with that looming uncertainty there, people just kind of feel structureless, and people are being forced into obviously working from home for some people remote working. This is almost no change. You know, we've got a few people that work in the Systema group, um,
0: yeah, well, for you know, some for me, of my students and
1: clients who basically work from home all the time, you know, and, and and they're just like, well, this is the same. I just don't have to put on pants, you know, <laughs> so yeah. I could just do, do my podcast or I can do my remote working or I can do my analysis or numbers or whatever it's going to be in group meetings on Zoom. And it doesn't really change very much. Um, But for others, they've had their lives turned upside down. We've got like a couple of our group members are hairdressers and they're, you know, they got sacked immediately because their, their hair salon shut down in Carborough, you know, and they couldn't go back. Um, and I've got like myself, there's lots of us have families with young kids and as soon as the schools all get shut down now you're homeschooling kids while you're trying to work from home so it's a very very different situation for different people with different kind of uh, family situations different living situations and different um, work situations right so people are, are dealing with it in different ways and one of the things that we've tried to do is just provide these ongoing live stream classes not just send out the odd video and the odd you know article or something But to say, look, show up at this time and this day, just like you always have. And we're all going to be here. We might be on Zoom and we we might be talking to each other through the through the wires in the air here. But um, but we're all doing this thing together. And it's and having that regular check in point of doing breath work in the morning and then checking in at noon to do a class. And then again at 630. It just gives people some structure from which to hang their day. And some and I, I think that psychologically is one of the most important things when you've got uncertainty like this looming.
0: Yeah, I think, there's, I think there's real value to the structure. And I think there's also people are realizing how badly we need social interaction. So like, like before, yeah. before this, a lot of people, me included, weren't getting a whole lot of social interaction, but we didn't really feel like we missed it. It's like I was saying to you before we started yeah. recording, here I am on this 80 hectare property and all I want to do is jump the fence and go somewhere else. It's it's like the, yeah. being told that we can't socially connect with people really kind of highlights our our, our deep human need to be in a tribe. Mm. Yeah, and even even before
1: that, what's funny to me is that as soon as they started enacting the social distancing laws and um, – telling people that they couldn't assemble in pubs or couldn't assemble in restaurants and things like that. Um right away, I, we just saw, and this was during the period where we were training outside, we just saw triple, quadruple, 12 times the number of people out on walks, on trails, in parks. You know, it wasn't until we were told that we had to stay indoors and stay on the Internet that people decided they had to go out for a walk, you know. <laughs> so, right. so, so people are rediscovering the outside because they're being told they can't go outside and hang out with each other too much, and people are rediscovering each other and social contact because they're being um, told that they can't. You know, so it's 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 ironic, really, that we don't see the value of these things until they're taken away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So for people who are stuck inside, more or less, like, do you have uh, you know tips and tricks and like what what what? Aside from the live classes, and we can you know get a, get a URL for those if people want to check them out, but like just you know normal people, mm-hmm. what what do you, what are you finding works for you for other people? What what are what are the um, the pillars of your practice that you have found valuable and that you've maybe ramped up a bit for yourself and your family? Well.
1: In in the methodology that we use, we start with we actually start with motivation and meaning. Like right? it's like you, you decide why you're doing what you're doing today first. What's the purpose of whatever it is that I'm going to attempt to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um and from there you go on to make sure you're embodied. You make sure that your body is stable and that it's calm that it's not in a high agitation state, it's not super anxious, it's not angry, right? And it, it can seem like strange language, like your body is separate from your brain. But in some ways, it has its own kind of reactions and responses. And we talk about this a lot in our stress-proof course, right? How it's almost like an elephant and a rider, to coin the um uh, the old Buddhist term, right? Where you have this person sitting on top of this angry terrified elephant and all you can really do is hope to feel what it wants and then try and kind of calm it down and then steer it a little bit. If you're trying to yank the elephant in a bunch of different directions, you try and get your body to just press on and do things. It will react and respond and it will not always be in ways that you want it to. You'll end up snapping at your spouse and shouting at people and, you know, just, uh, Eating for comfort or just dropping all of your exercise routines, whatever else it is that keeps you healthy will go out the window if you don't understand that you have to pay attention to your body and actually remain embodied. So the first thing is finding the meaning. And the second thing is finding your body. And then you can go on to like how how you think about it. Right. And how you make sense of it, what what your psyche is doing, um, how your mind is responding to this whole crisis. And from there, you can start to plan right after that. You can start to plan. So. I think I, w- I would start with meaning, and for this, I there was a really interesting article. I think it was in um, Harvard Business Review, and it was forwarded to me from a friend of mine, Jen, um, Jen Zuckerman. Um, and it featured a, an author called David Kessler, who um, is a specialist on grief, and he's written recently written a book called "The Six Sta- Stages of," uh, sorry, the sixth stage of um, grieving, um, which he coins as meaning. Right? You have those classic um, phases of, like, you know. Um, with grief, right, that people always talk about, you go from denial to acceptance um, through various other stages like bargaining and anger on the way through, right? And it's fairly well established that these exist, even though they can kind of happen in different orders. But the point that he was making in this article is, is that what we're actually feeling right now under this kind of loss of freedom, loss of work, loss of income, loss of routine, loss of purpose, even loss of our identity. You know, for some people, they can't do the job they were supposed to do. They're like, well, what what do I do now? I can't just sit around and play Xbox and watch Netflix, right? <laughs> I'm, you know, I have to I have to have a purpose. And losing that, it's it's a it's an overreaching sense of general loss. And he says, what you're feeling is grief, right? It really is. It's like it's, you're grieving the loss of your everyday routine, your everyday life, your contact with your friends, your contact with your colleagues. All of these things, and the the loss of the stability that you took for granted, right—the ability to pay the mortgage and the ability to feed your kids—all these things is gone. And so we're responding to this loss in much the same way as we respond to the loss of a person, right, or even the anticipated loss of a person. So, you know, if you look at it through the classical kind of map, the first thing that happens denial, right? Um, And you know, you can't believe that this person is gone, or you can't believe that this situation has changed and that's what people did they're like you know and some people still aren't some entire countries are still doing that like this virus won't affect us this is not a big deal it's no different to flu you know and they and they act as if there's nothing wrong and they act and that's that can be dangerous right um and then there's anger um and i definitely went through this one like You're angry at whoever it is that impose these laws that make you stay at home and um, and take away your activities and your livelihood. And you're raging. You want to blame somebody. You can't blame a little collection of proteins and fats. Right. (laughs) So you have to you have to find a person that you can blame so that you can be angry about it. Um, And then you've got bargaining. And so, all right, maybe if I do social distancing for a couple of weeks and everybody else does that, we'll be back on in April the 12th. Right. You're like, this is fine, but it's temporary. Right. So we go through that stage. And then the scientists tell us, well, we don't know how long this is going to be. We might be here for months. And then there's sadness, like genuine sadness, like, I don't know how this will end. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. I'm just deeply sad about this whole situation. Um, and then finally, at some point, maybe you find your way around to acceptance, which is, all right, this is happening. Uh, there's there's a global shutdown. There's a virus. The economy is probably going to be buggered for a while. Um my 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 mode of making a living might have changed and I have to homeschool the kids and I have to figure out how to interact with everybody in a different way. Um, but I have to figure it out. Right. This is happening and I'm accepting that this is happening and I have to move on. So where do I get there? Right. And um, how do I do it? What what rules do I apply to myself in order to move on? And I think you have to kind of give yourself a chance to go through those stages. And I think by this time, a good number of us have gone through these but some of us are still stuck in denial, right? And some of us are still stuck in bargaining, just hoping this is only going to be a couple of weeks. And right. I think that's a, if not a dangerous, then certainly an unproductive mindset to maintain in, in all of this. Have you seen any of this in your experience with people that you know?
0: Um, I'm seeing um, people have been too busy I th- to to go deep, I found. And maybe that's starting mm-hmm. that's starting to change. But I also I also have not been in touch with people in the same way I think that you have, just because yeah. you know we have to we have to hike up a hill to get internet and it's spotty and the, there's a six to, to nine hour time difference. Um, yeah. What I've seen more of is sort of a like a hamster wheel stress response. Yeah. Like like people just feeling anxious. Yeah. Um, you know, I've talked a lot to my sister, she and her husband, you know, she's in her late sixties. She and her husband, are are in a small apartment in Manhattan on the 10th floor of a, of a, of a building. They have not left yeah. in like a month. Um, so I'm, I'm seeing more like stir craziness than existential crises.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's also to be expected from the situation, right? So what's happening is that there's something really bad happening and our brains know it. We're reading about it in the news. Um, if we have a, like a close relative that's in the hospital or somebody that's been directly affected, then maybe it's more visceral and it's more real for us. We actually see somebody that's, you know, gone into, you know, is on a ventilator or something, you know, something more extreme has happened and we're, we're directly worried about them. We can see it, that they have symptoms, but if not, this is all kind of a little bit kind of, Ephemeral, you know, we're we're kind of looking at it through Facebook and social media and news reports, and we're reading about this. So our our brains know that something bad is happening, but we can't see it, right? Um, and in a very real sense, this totally breaks our sense of safety, our sense of collective safety. Our, our primitive minds are like limbic systems that are mm. programmed as we talk about in the stress proof course, you know, um, are programmed to look for danger and then kind of get you ready and fight or flight or freeze or even shut down. Right. As a response of dealing with this, it's, it's broken. It doesn't know what's happening. It's like, it's getting all these signals saying there's danger and it's like, all right, where is it? What do we fight? What do we prepare for? Um, And we can't see it. Right. So all we've got to go on is ascending figures, abstract figures in news reports and whether or not people around us are, Taking measures, right? So, in the same way as if you, you know, you're there in South Africa, maybe there's, you know, some prey animal in a field, and one of them kind of thinks he sees like a pair of ears breaking the surface of the of the grasslands or something, right? He'll be like, "Whoop, whoop, look out! I think there's something there." But then, if nothing happens and the predator kind of slinks, slinks into the background that gazelle or whatever will probably just go back to eating, right? But if he pricks up his ears and looks around, and there are at least four or five other gazelles looking around, then that collective response will be like, all right, it, it's not just me, right? Mm. <laughs> you know, We're all doing something. And if one of them starts running, they'll all start running, you know? So what we tend to do is, t- is to look to our immediate social group, our, in- our immediate peers, to see how they're responding to things. Now, if we live in a place where everybody's in denial, and everybody's like, nah, I'm just going to go to work, or I'm just going to go to Florida for spring break, right? So some demographics are not taking it seriously. Um, the younger demographic in particular because the virus has been shown to be nowhere near as dangerous to them. And so they're being kind of cavalier about it. And there are even arrests in Florida and all that kind of stuff where where people are flaunting the rules there. Um, so what your peer group is doing will influence to a great extent how you deal with it. If everybody in your peer group is panicking, um, then you'll probably panic as well. And there's every kind of gray shade in between. So I, I think... One of the things to recognize is that we're not well equipped to deal with this. Our brains aren't well equipped to deal with abstract concepts of danger. Our brains are looking for real physical dangers and we can't see them right now. It's, yeah, it's, it's a disease. It's a, it's, it's a virus and these have been around since ancestral times. But the way that we normally deal with that is that we look at people who are showing symptoms like they're sick, they're snotty, they're they have I don't know, boils or they have like some manifestation of feverish, you know, sweating, some manifestation of sickness outwardly. And then we typically, sadly, we express disgust for those. Like that's our main Um, response mechanism for keeping us away from people who are sick with something that might be contagious. That's one of the things that disgust is for, right? That and avoiding food poisoning, right? (laughs) And so so we tend to kind of avoid, but when we can't actually see people in our environment that are doing that, we're just looking at all these healthy people going for walks and social distancing. And we're like, what are we really doing here? I'm being told on one level that we're fundamentally unsafe and we have to be careful, but I'm not seeing your primitive brain is like, I'm not seeing the direct evidence of this. So let's keep us all on a constant orange alert to keep us nervous let's keep the blood supply going constantly to the head and the sense organs and to the limbs and this plays havoc with digestion it plays havoc with sleep like people insomnia is going to be rife i know it is right now because people are on this constant um high alert but how and it's a collective loss of safety it's like everybody is feeling it.
0: but how how is that different from the normal you know, mental construct stress response. So like, you know, stress is for, you know, wild animals and and hailstorms and things like that to like, tell us that we are in danger to get us to to take an action. But most of us, our stress comes from emails and alarm clocks and traffic and things that are phantom anyway. How is this different?
1: Well, in in a lot of ways, that's a good point. It's not. What this is doing is that it's just highlighting how much that's happening to us anyway like in the absence of a coronavirus or you know uh, like a a nuclear threat or something else that's really abstract um our our brains our primitive limbic systems look for something else to be threatened by and it might be the you know the irritable email from the boss it might be like the threat of financial security vaguely coming down the pipe um that you're getting bad signals about so we find things to stress about in small ways but the difference with this is is that the signal is so much stronger like that the it's, it's more akin to when something like there's an active shooter situation and then it's all over the news. And then for days, people feel unsafe and they worry about their kids going back to school. And then one doesn't happen for a little while. I mean, I'm t- this is going to be a little bit America centric because active shooter things don't happen all the, all the time all over the place. Um, but for a while, it's all people can think about. And then after about a month, there hasn't been one and it just becomes part of the new normal. Coronavirus hasn't become part of the new normal yet. People aren't comfortable with the idea that this thing is floating about and that it seems okay for some people, but randomly it can strike other people. If you're in over a certain age group, it's much more likely to get you. If you're immunosuppressed, you have lung problems, it's much more likely to make you sick. All of those things, right? So everybody's the problem is that everybody's going to, most of the people in this country at least, or most people in the world, are going to be exposed to the virus, but not everybody expresses symptoms. And it's that weird dissonance between catching it, right? It's not like you're trying to not to catch it at all. All you're really trying to do is... um Limit the exposure of of vulnerable people to this virus so they don't express symptoms at a rate that outstrips our systemic ability to deal with it. So, again, there's another abstract level there where we what we're actually being asked to do is be overprotective of people. That we might not even know right we're not really being called upon to protect ourselves we're being called upon to protect other people, and that calls on a, for deep kind of reserves of compassion and altruism that not all of us are practiced in developing I think um so I think there's one key difference there is that most of the time we worry about our own right we worry about ourselves and we worry about our kids, uh, maybe if we have an elderly parent, like I have two elderly parents in the south of Spain, so I'm worried about them um anybody who has a some you know a parent over over the age of 60 or 70 and or somebody with lung problems is more worried now than people who don't, right? If you're just a nuclear family and your parents have already passed on or something and you're just living home with your two kids, you're more worried about the economic situation really. But is it? Um, but it, what, yeah, it's, it's, it's more of a, it's, there's a group loss of safety and there's a, there's a call for group altruism and compassion and acting in somebody else's interests. And that's, that's not easy for people. Yeah. I think.
0: Well, it's, I mean, where I see that happen is in wartime, When there is a a face of of an enemy, right? Like so, you know, like in you know the the famously you know British and Americans, you know, during World War II, uh, made huge sacrifices for soldiers for people they didn't know. But it was you know I remember in nineteen seventy nine, my father was the New Jersey Commissioner of Energy, and there was a that was during the uh, you know Iran. Uh, hostage crisis and Ayatollah Khomeini was uh, um, you know yeah. the, the big bad guy and there was a um, a poster that had been approved I don't think my father like um, had a hand in approving it but he didn't stop it either and I was appalled it had a picture of Khomeini on a billboard and it said Drive Fifty Five Fight Back <laughs> And mm. you know, it's, it's right. just, it's, it unsettled me at, at the age of 14 for reasons I did not understand until much later. But I understand also why they were using an, a human enemy, a, a face of an enemy. And here it seems like we're being told to – like we are all one tribe. Like all of humanity has to be on the same team and that seems very difficult to, to accept in this geopolitical it, yeah, reality. Yeah, it is
1: yeah it is, and especially when that message isn't consistent, you know we've got some people you know in power calling it a Chinese virus and trying to put blame on specific groups you know in order to to again put a face and put an object to put a person on this so we have somewhere to put our blame instead of collectively seeing this as a threat. And, and that's part of the problem. The virus doesn't care about us at all. The virus is a parasite. It, it uses us to get past to other things. So it doesn't care about our politics. It doesn't care about, you know, it doesn't care about our religion. It doesn't care about any of the other kind of philosophical differences between people. It's just going to do its thing, you know. So it's, we're being called upon to band together in a way that, um, like simultaneously to band together, but also to isolate to that end, right? So it's very, it's very strange. There's a lot of kind of dissonance going on, and in what we're being asked to do, and what we're being asked to accept. So, so it, so that's the kind of, that's the landscape that we're left to deal with, right? We have this confusion, we have this uncertainty, we have this sense of loss. Um, so I, I think probably going back to your original question about what can people do, I think the first thing to do is kind of just to try and find your way to that acceptance as soon as you can, right? Not to force yourself through the stages of it, but like to, to mull it over in your mind and, and ask yourself, what am I feeling? You know, am I feeling sad? Um, uh, Am I just trying to stay busy in an effort to distract myself from the fact that this is going on and kind of making little bargains with myself that this will all be over soon and I don't need to change my behavior or my lifestyle or um my thought patterns very much you know it's, things will go back to normal and this two, this too shall pass right and it's it's difficult because there's some value in that viewpoint but not if this too will not pass within the next month right <laughs> if we're going to be stuck in this for a few months or, or maybe even longer you know depending on if it recurs i don't think the world is going to be the same after we emerge out of this it's not big be- i mean at the very least there's going to be an economic depression um there's we won't abruptly all go back to work and start hugging and kissing and, and everything with people immediately, there's gonna be some you know, there's gonna be a letdown, there's gonna be some measures and maybe some people will be still protected and vulnerable and some people won't. Um but until we have like a global vaccine or a global antiviral treatment that's that can literally just alleviate the threat of this thing it's it's not gonna be the same and that's still gonna be at least half a year to a year and a half off depending on how quickly they fast track things right so i think acceptance and being like all right well this is at least now this is the new normal how do we move on from here how do we figure out how to proceed and then that comes to like some very specific things that you can do i think in order to avoid sabotaging yourself and making the situation worse. So would it be helpful now to go through a few of those?
0: Yes, please.
1: Cool. okay. So the first one, and I'm not alone in saying this is to, is to try and kind of control or balance out your positive and negative thinking a little bit. Right. Um, I don't mean in just kind of like a woo. Hey, think positive, go to your happy place thing. Of course we can't do that. We know we're not in a happy place. Uh, and a lot of us and are in worse places than others. If you're self-employed, and you you know your income just completely dried up overnight and you just don't know how you're going to pay the bills there's no going to your happy place that's going to solve this but what i mean is is that don't if you're in the habit of doing a worst case scenario analysis right if you're in the habit of being like all right what's the worst that can happen and you keep reading the news through that lens there's really no good place to go with this because the worst that can happen is is very 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 bad and if you if you can't imagine the, any silver lining to this if you can't imagine any Um, possible best-case scenarios, like somebody comes up with an antiviral treatment and it goes away quicker than we thought, or we're stuck in the situation, but somehow I managed to turn my business around such that I can connect with people and I'm doing actually even better than I was beforehand, you know, or I'm forced to, um, you know, stay home and the economic situation is not great, but alleviated of the pressures of daily work, I suddenly realized that I haven't been spending contact time with my family, and I'm reconnecting with my kids, and I'm spending more time outside, right, there might be benefits to this that we can't see right away. And I think giving yourself kind of limiting your diet of bad news, like the constant consumption of bad news on social media, I mean, it's okay to, like you said, follow the science and follow the figures, but you don't want to read too many opinion pieces about how bad it can get. And there's part of the 24-hour news cycle is just trying to come up with things to feed you while you're there, right? So you have to limit your Psychological diet a little bit and try to balance out the worst case scenario thinking with best case scenario thinking. Try and kind of prepare yourself and be like, okay, well, if this is the worst case scenario, how can I prepare for this? And some of that might be physical preparation. It might be, you know, having like an adequate amount of food or resources or things like that in your house, not crazy prepping and stockpiling toilet paper, but just having enough, you know, and just making sure that you feel. Okay, and comfortable for now, right? No need to panic, but being a little bit prepared can help you feel a little bit like, well, if the worst happens, we'll survive, right? Right.
0: So that's and, the first and you thing. know what? Control and,
1: negative and positive thinking.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what that reminds me of is our conversation about tech proofing, which is that the technologies, yeah. the media that are feeding us coronavirus information have not fundamentally changed their business model, which is essentially infinite scroll like they always want us to watch the next thing and when it when it feels like it's a breaking news story they're going to milk it for all it's worth and we can we can it can feel irresponsible to turn it off right even though what we're watching is okay here's a report from the streets of spain here's a report from a hospital in brooklyn here's a report from a rally in buenos aires things that have nothing to do with us in our in our daily lives nor do we have the power most of us to to react to those things and yet we still feel like you know we have to pay attention to everything and realize that that's an artifact that was true when we were watching you know cat videos
1: yeah yeah absolutely and it's yeah it's it's a big deal it's i mean and again it's one of those things that was a problem before this this hit that has just been thrown into sharp relief and it just shows us How much of a problem it can be for us, right? Um, And that actually brings us neatly onto the second point, which is number two, get out of your head, right? Um, Don't spend all day in your thought processes. Um, You have to remain in the present and you have to remain embodied, by which I mean you have to remind yourself that you have a body and you're experiencing life second by second, moment by moment. You live here and now. If all you're thinking about is The future like how bad it can get and reading news reports and social media like just checking in on what you think is going to happen the whole time you are not going to live in the present and you're not going to make good decisions for the present um and you you cannot remain productive and you cannot remain actually even calm and comfortable because you've got this constant sense of anxiety it's been said that you know anxiety is a is a malady Caused by an obsession with the future in the same way that depression is basically a a preoccupation with the past, right? Mm. If you constantly think about everything that you've lost as a result of this, you'll become depressed. If you constantly think about what you have to do and what needs to be done and how good or how bad things might get, then you can get into anxiety that way. So it's really important every single day, uh, several times a day, right, to get back into your body. And there's a very simple exercise for doing this. And it's one actually that was passed to me um, by my instructor in Sistema, uh, Vladimir Vasilyev, right? um, And he just calls it five senses. I don't think this is unique to uh, Sistema. You, you actually find it outside of Russian systems. You find it in a lot of um, – mindfulness-based practices as well. I've seen it in Tibetan meditation, mindfulness meditation, and um, Buddhist uh, Indian mindfulness meditation, all kinds of different stuff as well. So it's a very simple exercise. I I can take you through it just now if you want to. Do you want to go a quick go? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. This should work since you're outside. It'll be really nice too, okay? Okay. So just find find yourself a spot, and you can either lay down flat on your back, or you can just sit in the chair. But just begin by straightening up your spine, relaxing yourself, And close your eyes, forget about vision for a minute. And then turn your attention to sound. Try and pick out at least one sound that's very close by to you, right? One of the sounds might be my British tones droning away in your eardrums right now. But try and pick out something else. If you're indoors, try and pick out something that's inside the room. Might be the whir of air conditioning. Scratching of a cat against the door, whatever it is. And then turn your attention to things further away. So it might be things outside the room, outside the building. If you're already outside, listen for distant sounds. Not just the birds or crickets nearby, but maybe distant traffic. Or if there's no traffic right now, (laughs) other sounds at more of a distance, right? And see if you can pick out like up to five different sounds. You might not be able to pick out five, but try. Put that much attention on your hearing that you can try and discern five different sounds. Okay. then next, turn your attention to smell and to taste. See if you can just inhale gently through the nose. See what you can smell. A lot of us don't pay very much attention to our olfactory senses. And some of us think we don't have much of a sense of smell, but you can develop it if you try. But the goal here is not really to do that. It's just to get out of your thinking brain, get back into your sense of sensory experience. So pick out at least one smell, at least one taste. It might be whatever you had for breakfast or lunch. It might be the smell of fresh clothing, cut grass, zebra dung (laughs) it's all contextual right and again try and pick out at least five smells or tastes and then go to touch so try and feel the sensation of the clothes on your body whether they're stretched tight across your body in some places hanging loose in others chafing, itchy, and feel the points of contact between yourself and the ground or against the chair if you're sitting down in a chair. Just feel the sensation of pressure in the skin and the muscles, the fascia. And also any air currents moving across your skin. This can be inside the room. You can feel them from air conditioning if you're outside, just light breezes. Or just even the difference between exposed areas of the body and areas that are covered, right? You'll feel that as a kind of background signal. Then acknowledge your vision now, not by opening your eyes, but just by looking into the back of your eyelids. And just notice that your vision is still switched on, right? It doesn't go off just because you close your eyes, that you can still see something little patterns behind your eyelids some sort of visual input is going on then turn your attention to the sense of weight of your body feel the weight of your bones of your muscles whether you're lying down or seated get a sense of how heavy you are how heavy each leg is how heavy each arm is maybe compare the left with the right side And then finally, get a sense of pressure within your body. So every time you inhale, you add volume to your body. It's trapped against your skin. So as you inhale, your body pressurizes. You can feel the pressure build in your chest, in your stomach, in your pelvic floor. If you're sensitive to it, you might even feel the pressure shifting in your arms and your legs as you breathe in. And as you breathe out, that pressure eases off, right? gas leaves your body you deflate like an airbed and there's less pressure and as you inhale and the body becomes pressurized you might also be able to feel more strongly the sensation of your pulse of the blood pressure moving through your major arteries obviously you can feel it at the chest at your heart you can probably feel it in the stomach depending on how tense you are around the lower back and the stomach you might feel it in the neck in the temples, behind the eyes. If you're really relaxed, you'll feel it in the shoulders, the insides of the elbows, the hands and fingers, hips and groin, backs of the knees, and even the toes. The more relaxed you are, the more of that sensation of alternating pressure with every heartbeat that you'll feel against the background of constant pressure that your body provides. Now, having done all that, slowly open your eyes and just take in the sensation of sight, just as if you're not really trying to focus on anything, you're not trying to label anything, you're not trying to make any decisions, you're just receiving input through your eyeballs, just patterns of light and shadow and color. And that's just one more signal. And just recognize that this is who and what you are, right? You're the thing that feels and observes all of these things. And this is your natural state. From here, you can move, you can breathe, you can go for a walk, you can exercise, you can do whatever you want, but now you're kind of freed from that constant loop of just thinking about things, which loops your stress response and keeps you trapped in unproductive patterns of thought where you get lost in yourself and that's it. Cool. So how do you feel?
0: I feel more integrated. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like there's, it felt before, like, you know, I've got so many balls that I'm juggling or so many irons in the fire and, you know, like part of my brain has been chasing like, do I, do I need to tell Delta that I'm not going to take that flight from JFK, or am I going to lose the tickets, and what are we going to do for dinner? And yeah you know and bringing it back to, a, to, to what felt, it feels like my essence, like, yeah, I am the witness, or I am the experiencer of what's going on right here right now, and yeah. that, that I have some say in what those things are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's important, you know, you can do this at the start of the day, especially if you wake up and you've had trouble sleeping and you wake up and you can't think about anything else. But, oh, I've got a plan for all these things. And, you know, what's going to happen next? Instead of starting the day by picking up your phone and checking the latest coronavirus updates, right, get up and start the day like this and just embody yourself and be present and then maybe around lunchtime, do it again. Right. And there's no harm to doing it right before sleep either. Right. It's, um, if you check in with yourself a few times a day like this and just remain embodied, it will help you to stay focused on the present and what you can do and also what you can't do in the present. Right. Um, rather than letting your runaway thought patterns just loop you into anxiety and stress the entire
0: time. Mm-hmm. I love it.
1: Great. Right? So, um, so that brings on to the last couple of things, which is observe and allow. Right. And this is something we talk about a lot in. Systema. Um, but again, you'll see it in mindfulness um, disciplines and you'll even see it in kind of uh, psychological interventions like MBSR, right? Um, or mindfulness based stress reduction, right? Um, and that's don't kind of suppress your feelings, right? If you're feeling sad, if you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling angry, don't try and push them down and deny the fact that you're feeling them, right? And, and think, I'm stronger than this, so I'm not really feeling any emotions. Just watch them for a minute, right? Just sit, take a breath relax yourself as much as possible and then just kind of look at it and name it and be like, yeah, I'm feeling really sad right now. I am mm. definitely very, very sad. I don't know where, when this is going to end. And a friend of mine has a has a father who's in the hospital on a ventilator. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Just allow yourself to name it and label it and then look at it. like Look directly at how that feels in your body. What's How does that feel in terms of pressure, blood pressure, tension inside your body? And, and just the simple act of stopping and looking at it like that will probably decrease its duration, right? It will probably evaporate sooner when you do that. Conversely, if you try and ignore it and suppress it and push it down, you'll maintain it. You'll you'll feed it for longer, right? It will kind of stay there. You are this little window running in the background, this little extra um, kind of carrying capacity will maintain your anger and frustration in the background, and it will come out at some other point during the day. So don't suppress emotions. Stop Allow yourself to name them label them look at them for a little while and then try that embodying exercise again and see if you can't just kind of decrease the half-life of that emotion just let it kind of dissolve into your body um, and then go back about your day um, allow yourself to feel those emotions and just look at them right observe and allow um, and then let go of what it is that you can't control right um, you stop arguing with idiots on the internet, right? I fell foul of this, especially in the first couple of weeks, and now I'm I've dialed back to, like drastically, right? People are going to think what they think, right? Um, people, are, there's going to be conspiracy theorists saying this was designed to take us take power away from us and all that kind of stuff, and there's going to be um, doomsayers who can't stop posting about how terrible everything is, and there's going to be people at every spectrum in between, right? And likewise, not just people on the internet, but when you see people flaunting social distancing rules and they're going out and they're being you know deliberately cavalier about this and to your mind putting people's lives in danger you know not yours and mine maybe but you know somebody's granddad that we know or somebody with a lung problem or some immunosuppressed child right that makes us angry but we can't control other people's behavior we can't tell them shout at them and get them to change their behavior so we can control what we do but we can't control what other people do so stop raging about what people are doing um Stop raging at people on the internet arguing with idiots. Just let go of what you can't control and try and control what you can, right? You can't control what, what legislation they're going to pass in Congress. You can't even really control whether the insurance company is going to pay out or whether uh, Delta are going to refund you for that ticket, right? You can call them. You can do stuff, but and you can kind of argue about it and that kind of stuff, but you can't really control it, right? So, again, that's part of the acceptance of the situation that's going on, I think. And then the last thing, and this brings us back to kind of um, that article that David Kessler wrote um, and that's try and find meaning right um it's not enough just to find survival in the situation and be like all right i'll get by because every other day your mind will be like there's got to be more to it than this I, i can't just survive and get through to the next day and tomorrow sometimes that's the best that you can do right if you're having a really bad day the best that you can do is just try and calm your body down um try and reconnect with yourself get back in the present watch your emotions evaporate, and then just run that day out, write it off, (laughs) and start again tomorrow. Sometimes it's the best we can do. But we should try to aspire to a little more than that because if we can find meaning in the situation. And it might be however small, right? It might be that this thing allows us to connect with people that we haven't talked to for years or this thing gives us – has reminded us how much we isolated ourselves on purpose and unnecessarily. And now we want to get out in the outdoors and go for walks or we want to do other things like just acknowledging those changes. Um, I mean, for me, one of the first things I did was start a pub quiz. Right. So we're having a virtual pub quiz every Friday night um, with the group of people that I coach. And, And it's phenomenal. We have teams of people that get together and we spend two, three hours having a few drinks and having some laughs and telling questions and stuff like that. And that's some enormous social cohesion has come out of that for me. Right. And I'm sure for a few other people too. So just find whatever it is, find whatever kind of light that you can in the situation and try and find some meaning in it. Maybe, you know, you'll find some entrepreneurial spark in this and you'll succeed and you'll do better than you did down there. But that's not really the goal. The goal is just to find some sort of purpose that might be different to the purpose that you had pre coronavirus. And it might continue to be different afterwards. We might as well be practical about this and say, this is the situation we're living under now. What's what's my purpose now? What's my meaning right. now? What can I do that's useful? Right. And that might it might be as simple as helping people or, you know, or it might be, you know, things like there's a there was a a an application that allows young kids to talk to elderly people who are isolated in their homes or in nursing homes and they can't see each other via Zoom. You know, they'll just tell stories to old people, stuff like that. You know, it's like the equivalent of Meals on Wheels do you yeah. know, or something like that. Check, if you feel like you're chat, helping chat somebody or doing
0: something. Chat roulette without the perverts. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> whatever float you, floats your boat or even with the perverts, you know, whatever you want. It. Yeah. Perverts are isolated too. You know, so it's like they're people too, damn it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so just find it, finding that meaning so uh, do is you? What I, I mean – yeah. yeah.
0: Do do you have a way of helping people cuz it's so you know it's so important for people to take their medicine whatever their medicine yeah. is to to heal themselves but I'm seeing a lot of people who are saying hey I went off my diet like and, you know, and to me like oh this is like the worst time in the world to go off your diet right like yeah. we, you know just like this is this is when you got to feed your troops, your immune system. Yeah. But you know, people are like you know, oh, this is soul food. This thing that I stopped eating. Like, do you have a, a way for people to sort of self-assess? Is because like, it feels like the pub quiz and a really mm. decadent meal are very different and yet they feel similar. Like it's just escape. It's fun, etc. cetera. Yeah. Like, can, well, how, how do you help people um, navigate? And discern
1: well i mean well actually i mean that's kind of more your expertise and purview so so my purview what what i'm looking at doing is taking people from kind of panic states and kind of difficulty and, and chronic stress and so if, if people want to find out about my resources about how to go from there to getting control of their nervous system literally training the nervous system so that they can deal with daily life easier right and to feel more resilient on a daily basis and experience less of these random peaks and troughs, um, then they can go to stressproof.net or one word, um, or they can visit us, um, and NC systema and physically train, um, the Russian martial art that we train in order to, um, condition our bodies and our minds. And that's NC systema. And you can just go to ncsystema.com slash online. But if people are looking for ways to, um, manage their general health and their diet, and, um, if they were trying to stick to some sort of exercise or, um, diet routine or something like that beforehand. And now it's just gone out the window. I would recommend actually they, they go see you. They, they actually get coached on it. They, they sign up for a program where they can get accountability. Um, and as I understand you do everything remotely, right? So this, this still enables you to help people from where you're at.
0: Yeah. Now I can use different hours, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. You can get people like in the first thing in the morning. So how would people find out about you and your programs with, um, with the, the big change program or other things like that?
0: Yeah, so they can go to uh, Plant Yourself. I do, I'm do. i now doing a daily podcast. I've, I've been doing a weekly podcast for seven years, but since I'm here and I um, have plenty of time on my hands and I brought all my podcasting equipment, I'm doing a daily 15-minute or so uh, reflections on the, the the time of COVID-19. So, you know, I talked mm. about, like, you know, everyone's talking about, um, like, what is essential? Essential services, essential um, goods, essential employees. And I wanted to see, like, what, what do we learn about what's essential about ourselves? Like, what is our essence? What can we learn mm. from, from this? I did another one about, um, I guess, this morning or yesterday about control. And what's in our control yeah. and what's not in our control. Um, today I talked about gratitude and how, uh, how struck I was by a post I saw where someone said, don't call it, don't say you're stuck in your house. Say you're, ho- you're safe in your house. Right? Mm, and just yeah. like all the things that I have, like, you we know, are, we're traveling. I, I'm traveling out of a, uh, a, um, a, ch- a carry on bag, not even a check bag. <laughs> and like yeah. ev- everything that I brought, I'm like, I'm so glad I have this. Like I've never had that experience before where it's like, Oh, I'm so glad I brought like three pairs of shorts, (laughs) you know, it's like, ah, but now like we're in lockdown, you can't buy anything. So everything I brought, I'm like, Oh, I'm so happy. I have that, um, you know, extra cable. I'm so happy. I, uh, I, I, you know, packed a new dental floss, (laughs) Right. (laughs) you know, just, just see, see, you know, so I'm, I'm doing that on a, on a, on a daily basis. You know, people have been telling me it's helpful. Um, great and i think that's the that's you know go to that and uh, subscribe and join the email list and um i'm starting to put things out uh for folks i i put out some uh guided relaxation exercises for the homebound and stressed out today and that's a um a pay what you can offering so you can, people can get it for free or they can you know pay whatever amount of money and, yeah. um, we'll probably be starting another well-start health coaching program within a couple of weeks. Um, and that's, okay. uh, so that's, that's where I'm at.
1: Great. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll stick, um, I'll stick links and URLs to all those things, uh, on the show notes for this. And hopefully people can find their ways to, to where they need to be.
0: And I'll do that. I'll do likewise. Now for people who want to do Sistema virtually, if they, they yeah. go to ncsystema.com slash online, if they've never done yeah. it before, is it for them or is it just for people who've been doing it for years and already know the lingo and the movements?
1: No, it's a mixture. Um, and there are some classes that are easier to roll into than others. So we have um, a class today, for example, at um, noon uh, American Eastern time, which is just called breathwork. So it's literally just um, lying around and relaxed positions, focusing on your breath and how you can use it in different ways to different mental and physical ends, and then combining that with exercise in various ways and gentle movement. So that one's very gentle. There's a movement class tomorrow, which is for restoring lost mobility, um, which can happen via stress or via injury or sickness, other things like that. Um, And then some of them are a little bit more martial. Um, Some of them um, teach you more specific skills, but for the most part, while we're training in a distributed way, I'm not going to say remote because remote sounds just negative and terrible. Um, So... If some, for for the most part, what we're doing is, is giving people ways of training on their own, but together, if that makes sense, like movements that you can make within like a, a 10 by 10 foot square um, that, that are going to be beneficial to health, to skill development, to mobility, to all those things. Um, so there's kind of something for everybody. You can just roll in there. And again, the same sort of thing. We have like a recommended pricing for training with us online, but it's a sliding scale. And if you really can't afford much more than a minimal amount per month, then that's what you'll pay.
0: Great. So, folks who've never done it before can can get started.
1: Yeah, and, it, and to to clarify, it's sistema is still more of kind of like a, a movement specific martial art type thing. So, um, if they're looking just for the stress exercises, they're looking just for the ability to stay calm, um, then they should go to stressproof.net instead and look at our courses, which are just more geared towards understanding your nervous system and getting control over it directly. That might be a starting point um, for a lot of people, um, doing the basic stress-proof online course. And then from there, if they want to get um, ambitious, then they can go on to doing system and other things. But there's value in both. It depends where you are in life.
0: Very good. Very good. Well, so any any parting words for...
1: Uh, no, just um, having done all those things and talked all about, you know, let's work on acceptance and let's work on understanding the problem and balance your thinking and let go of what you can't control and deserve and allow. All of that said, just also just take it easy on yourself. I mean, really. It's it's a difficult time, so just allow yourself some failure. Allow yourself some off days. It's, it's going to be up and down. It's going to be like that for a while. You'll probably feel like you're good with it, and then a couple of days later – you feel like you've you lost your groove and you're back to square one or even regressed. And like you tend to say with, um, you know, diet plans, like if you fall off the wagon, the most important thing is to get back on again as quickly as possible. Right. Everybody falls off the wagon and, and actually failing and then regrouping and restarting again, um, whether it's restarting a diet plan or whether it's recommitting to a, to breathing movement, training to just centering yourself once a day, whatever it's going to be. The act of regrouping, having, fallen is actually what reinforces the habit and makes it stronger and actually is what builds resilience, right? So unless we fail, unless we know we need these things, unless our bodies and brains become truly grateful for what it is that we're trying to do to them, right? <laughs> then, then we're not really going to use them or benefit from them in the same way. So just go easy on yourself. It's going to be, it's going to be rough for a little while. Um, so allow yourself some fun here and there, you know, allow yourself to, to do a pub quiz, to watch a little Netflix, um, to, you know, whatever it is that that you need to decompress a little bit, um, but just kind of keep that in the wider context uh, of keeping yourself healthy and keeping yourself calm as you go as well.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Glenn, thank you as always for for enlightening me, for taking me through that that wonderful uh, guided five senses tour, and for all the work you do to help people stay safe and sane and uh, proactive.
1: Yeah. Likewise, Howie. Keep uh, Keep fighting the good fight from South Africa or wherever it is that you find yourself marooned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, we're we're here for a while, so uh, I'll 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 let you know when we uh, feel it's safe to where fl- it's possible to fly.
1: Right. Well, in the meantime, good luck with your ongoing battle with the uh, verbot monkeys.
0: Yep. You know, they have they have the bluest testicles. I got it.
1: I feel like I shouldn't say anything. I just want to end the podcast on that not on that line. It's <laughs> definitely going to be the quote that goes in the thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, happy to oblige. All right, man. Take care. Love. Take love care, to, Love Cheers. to the family.
1: And to yours. Cheers. Bye.
0: Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherly, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Mr. Cobb, Rachel Barrons, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Kinoski, David Bizek, Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkus, Rhymes of Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, <laughs> hi Janet, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benin, Gillesert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Daron Visov, Gio Carl, Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Funderburg Misha Rosen Michael Warbeck The equally mysterious Tracy Z Aviva Lael Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes Val Lineman Rhymes with Cinnamon Nick Harper Martha Bergner Susan Ahmad, and Nolly Levine The inscrutable Harry R Susan Laverty The panda vegan Craig Kovic Adam Sharp, Karen Burry Heather Morgan Kelly Machia D.N. Norton Bonnie Lynch at Plant Happy Oregon Sabina Kertzels Nigel Davies, Marion Blum Teresa Cobble, Julian Rodkins Breed O'Connell Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Head of Gardizatuzin Connie Hayline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Mirani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Dan Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazleton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justin Divich, Ashra Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linia Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iconelli Levy, Wallach, Rosamond McAtee, Dan Bacorny, Stephen Leenan, Patty Di Martino, Mike and Dean Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunther Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Shadows. And Kramer Lentz, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg for Mama Cesar, Shell Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, and Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidorowska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edith Musings, Aaron Hastie, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, and Michael Lushton for your